Good afternoon, South Shore Insurance. This is Michelle. Hi, can I speak to Michelle? This is Michelle, Michelle? This, this is Michelle, yep. Michelle, this is Joey Jingola. Hey, Joey, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Pretty good for a Monday. This is insurance in your own words from the people who are living and breathing it every day and are struggling to figure out where this industry is going and what they need to do to stay ahead. Hosted by me, Joey Jingola. Let's get into it. So we work with a couple agents who do things that are just different than what we do. I've worked with some other agents who don't write workers' comp, and I write workers' comp through several carriers in addition to, like, the state fund. And we pass referrals back and forth all the time. I don't have a whole lot of markets for large boats, and I can give those to an agent who doesn't do commercial, and he gives me the commercial stuff. And my explanation to my client is somebody else is going to be able to do this for you way better because they understand the product, they understand the need. You know, I can log on to Progressive and give you a boat quote, but that might not be the best option. But typically connecting them with somebody that I trust has been a great thing. This is the final chapter, the third part in the trilogy with Michelle Mosier, my good friend Michelle at South Shore Insurance in Florida. And if you remember previously, uh, the two other episodes that she was on was drawing the line in the sand or drawing your line in the sand and forcing the sale, forcing every sale. I can't remember the exact titles of these shows. Bear with me. But all of these all of these shows are dealing with the idea of knowing what you do well and continuing to do it. And how do you get rid of the stuff that you don't do well? This is the final part of that talking about you just heard Michelle talk about her experience sending business elsewhere that she is not great at. She's got somebody that you know is good at large boats. If she comes across a large boat being in Florida, I'm guessing you probably see a decent amount of that. She's got a guy that does that and then you know he she sends him that and he sends her the commercial and and everybody lives happily ever after. Now, I think this is great. Most of the time, I have some conflicting opinions on this. And it sounds like Michelle's got a pretty solid system worked out which I I'm a little envious of. But there's a question that I just kind of want to toss out in general. Well, one, first of all, let's back up a little bit. The first thing that obviously that I find myself concerning myself with, boy, this is great English, is that when you are staking your reputation on somebody else's ability to deliver, I just, maybe I, maybe I was not held enough as a child. Maybe I have trust issues. I don't know what the deal is. I'm going to even call my parents up and ask me and call my dad at Jingola Insurance and ask him. If he, if he neglected me as a child, but I have a hard time in a, in, I guess in a, in a predominant, you know, kind of role, letting somebody like that take over. Meaning now I have since transferred, this is a big word that, you know, a phrase that we came up with at Grow Labs uh, a couple months ago in Chicago is now I have transferred my trust over to this person and it is up to them to deliver. And yeah, I might know them a little bit. I might, you know, shake hands, shared a cup of coffee, ate a stale donut with them at BNI sort of thing. But that doesn't tell me how competent they are. And in my experience, and maybe I just am a little too persnickety and have high standards, but finding people that are relatively close proximity-wise to me that are, I feel are up to the same level in which I would feel comfortable referring are few and far between. That's the question I had to ask Michelle if she has experienced anything like that and if it has come back to haunt her. 
Well, I mean, outside of the industry, I have one that's kind of biting me in the butt now. I referred a roofer to a client who had a roofing problem, and now they have an issue with the roofer. And, you know, all I can do is, and what I do when I kind of preface that is these are people that I know, people that I work with, people that I see in a networking group on a regular basis, and that I've heard, you know, whether I've used them or not, or I've heard other people use them, but nothing is perfect. And everybody has a bad day or a bad client or whatever. And this roofing thing happens to be that. She's like, you know, I, we still haven't passed inspection. It's been a month. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I wish there was something I could do to help you, but I, I'm keeping the contact open between the client and the contractor, who is my client <laughs> as well. <laughs> Yeah. Just trying to, you know, do what I can, but know, too, that, yeah, I gave a recommendation, and this time it didn't work out. It's the first time, knock on wood, that at least I've heard back that it hasn't been as great as they wanted it to be. I mean, if we're going to get technical, we're all independent agents, and we spend every single hour of every single day making recommendations for companies that we can't control. So I guess everything that I said in the opening of the show is crap. But... We should be used to it, right? And 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 selling predominantly health insurance, I've come to find that you know when you talk to somebody about a health insurance company, it's going to be a matter of what their overall experience was. Was which hospital system or network? When you start talking about doctors and hospitals or insurance companies, and and who takes the doctors and hospitals, it's 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 going to be a matter of of which hospital, which insurance company was in the mix when their aunt Sally or grandma Flynn died, right? Which one of these places killed a relative? And they're just not going to be happy with the experience. Now, obviously, it's a little morbid. I didn't want to take the show this dark. It's trying to keep things up upbeat. But same thing, right? Making decisions based out of fear, I, I feel is never a good option, right? Saying, I don't want to do this because I'm afraid this could happen. I mean, just, just saying, like, I'm not going to try to create a better experience to, to try and pass things off to somebody that is better suited to handle it than me because I'm afraid something will go wrong. I think that's just the wrong mindset, right? It's, 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 it's like, again, it's like trying to cut when things are tight as opposed to trying to grow. You know, it's let's look the positive way. Let's do it that way as opposed to always trying to be negative and try and go backwards and retreat. We want to be going forward. And the bigger question that I have is is less about the person's ability to perform and more about the expectation a client has of it being our responsibility or not to bring that that service in-house. Meaning is it our job, our responsibility to, if we find ourselves coming across enough business, should we be figuring out a way as businessmen and women to scale this ourselves and to bring these services into our agency ourselves, bring those people in? So it is, again, to use the big buzzword, a more cohesive customer experience because as we get more and more specialized, then we're sending people off to three or four different people and they're dealing with three or four different customer experiences. Is that the best thing for our clients? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't have an answer. I honestly don't know. I would be curious to hear what you have to say, Joey at growprogram.com. Feel free comments, concerns, mild criticisms. I'll even take medium criticisms if we're dealing with criticisms in salsa heat level. I don't know if that's our response or if it should be our responsibility or not. I think somewhere deep down inside of me, if I'm hedging and saying ultimately what I think might be the right answer, I kind of think that if we are, again, if we are 
operating from a position of growth, I think the goal should be to figure out a way to bring those referral partners in house. Now, obviously you aren't doing it yourself, like Michelle's not gonna do that, but let's create a company where we all have a streamlined process to where things are, are in line. Maybe it matters, maybe it doesn't. I don't know, but I think I think ultimately, you know, we owe it to the customer to to have that that experience because again, I promise you, you know, if I'm, I can't even refer. If we're being honest here, I have a hard time referring business within my own agency, because the way I do business is not the way my uncle does business, who's almost sixty. He might, he, I don't know, is he sixty? I can't remember. But let's put it this way: he types with two fingers and has a hard time seeing his computer screen. I love my uncle. He's a great guy, but those are the realities, right? If I'm going to send somebody, one of my clients who's, who are used to booking times on my online calendar to talk to me, to him, that's the old school insurance agent. And they're not going to, they're not going to work with that. So are we, are we capable? Are we equipped to bring this stuff in house as opposed to just constantly sending it out and, and having people chasing their tails with a bunch of different people? Now, obviously you know, Michelle gave the example of a roofer. We're not going to bring a roofing agency or, you know, business into our agency. Although I don't know now that I'm thinking about it, that sounds crazy on the surface, but is it really, I don't know. I mean, again, formalizing these partnerships, maybe a little bit more than beyond just a handshake, a wink and a nod sort of thing. Maybe, maybe ironing out processes and procedures. Should we even go that far? Is that a, is that an intermediate solution? I don't know. The only thing that I do know, and I wanted to ask Michelle, and as I said, operating from a place of fear, we can't do it. And, and that, that can't, I, I have to imagine that that is the, the rare exception to most of the referrals that she passes out. Absolutely. We've been open in this office two and a half years. It's the only person I've had come back and say, mm, not such a great referral. Okay. <laughs> you know, I might think twice before I refer them again, but I also might consider, you know, it's a flat roof, it's tar and gravel and, and not a shingle roof. And maybe that wasn't their specialty. I don't know. Johnny, tell her what she's won. As Michelle just said, something extremely profound in that maybe that that wasn't their specialty, a flat tar and gravel, whatever she said, roof. I'm not a roofer. I've put one roof on my brother-in-law's house during the 4th of July weekend, and it was 100 degrees out, and I almost died. I'm not going on a roof anytime soon. I'm not a roofer, but whatever that is, the roofer was not that experienced in that thing that you know they needed to. So now not only are we relying on them to do their job just well, but we're also relying on them to have enough self-discipline to know what's in their wheelhouse and what is not. I guess that's the one thing that, you know, again, we know that, you know, Michelle has a very high level of self-awareness as to what she's capable of doing. Again, finishing this trilogy of, you know, first of all, understanding where that line is, identifying it, and then having the discipline to not force the, the sale and to know what you want to do and to keep doing it. And then finally following up, who can you send the business off to if you are not going to do these things as to, again, providing value and a service? Now, the two questions that we've been debating here, well, I've been debating with myself and you've been awkwardly listening in your car ride to work or wherever you're doing right now. Maybe you're working out. It's kind of weird. I don't know what you're doing, actually. That freaks me out a little bit. Why don't you tell me what you're doing? Anyways, what we're debating is, is are they capable enough to you know live up to the expectations to where their performance, good or bad, is not going to come back on us. And two, are we responsible for improving that experience? Are we responsible for um, expanding and scaling out to those services ourselves within our own shop? 
if we are finding that we are coming across enough of it. Now, of course, the beauty of the referral partnership is that, you know, if we get one dude a year and we just send it to that guy, we don't have enough volume, enough business to handle bringing something like that for just large boats into our office ourselves. I get it, right? I understand that. Don't send me those emails. But I said something that I surprised myself and just my rambling here is, well, maybe, maybe, maybe we identify some type of process that, you know, we set a checklist or a standard, like a, a protocol, whatever, that says, you know, we're going to do this, this, and this when we send business back and forth. And I'm only going to accept this, this, and this because I know I can knock this out of the park for you. And I'm going to operate this, this, and this way because I know that this is a way that is going to be, um, you know, coherent. Mm, it's not the right word. Um, they understand it. It's going to whatever the, it's the same. I can't think of the $5 word. Coherent is not it. It's going to be the same thing, the same experience as the way they're used to working with you. That's interesting. I don't know. You know, maybe, maybe you name the referral network. Maybe, maybe you don't, I don't know. Giving it a fancy name sounds fun. Giving a fancy name, maybe legitimizes it beyond again, just the, I'm going to spit on my hand and give you a handshake sort of thing. That's really gross. Maybe that's a thing. Again, all of this is just a bunch of ideas. I've never found myself liking enough human beings to build my own referral network. So take this from a guy who does not have a referral network and who barely refer refers business to his own uncles because of just the difference in the way that we operate. Now that, that, that doesn't mean that it shouldn't be happening. Now, if you've been wanting to develop this referral partner network. And we just talked actually, you know, strangely enough, the show that we just had with Matt Jungle last time talking about, you know, creating a referral machine and, and scaling this online and, and, and building an even bigger network. Now that was more of people sending you business. So this is like, you know, two way refer referring, right? Like you need to refer business out so you keep, you know, the flow coming in sort of, but I mean, we need to get it out so we can, you know, provide our clients and get it out of the way to get, you know, to selling the stuff that we want to sell. It's all very interesting. And I kind of like it. I don't know. Let me, let me know what you think. Joey at girlprogram.com. Should we, should we name our fancy referral network? Should we create some type of protocol as to the expectations, the type of, of services and or procedures that are going to take place? So we kind of have a little more control, a little more reassurance. But I can only tell you this, I can promise you this of anything else is when you're going to transfer the trust, you've got to be darn well sure that the person that you're going to be giving it to is worth it. Otherwise, all of the hard work that you have put into acquiring this client will be gone in the blink of a second because somebody else didn't value that trust that was given to them as much as you valued it in giving it to them. And at the end of the day, while all that's fine and dandy, we still have to keep pushing forward and we cannot, absolutely cannot be afraid to move forward. We cannot make decisions in fear and try to always move back and move away from those decisions because we're unsure of what's going to happen if we do. So I was sitting on an airplane and I was thinking to myself, they're going through the whole spiel of, hey, we're going to give you ox oxygen masks if this thing goes down. And, okay, yeah, great, I get that. And yeah, my seat can be used as a life preserver sort of thing, but I mean, I get it that it's like probably a very slim chance that uh, you know the thing's going to go down. 
but why haven't we created a parachute that at least gives you a 50-50 shot at making it? I mean, I don't care if it's like the parachute that they put on the little toy army guys that never made it but one or two times down your stairs. I'd take that over anything. Just give me a shot. I mean, it can't cost that much money. I mean, give me the cheapest parachute possible. I'll take it. I mean, it can't be a liability at that point, is it? I don't know. Just something I was thinking about. Random thoughts. Random thoughts. Anyways, if you're looking for a slightly better parachute to help you kind of jump from your crashing airplane, I'm not calling your agency a crashing airplane, but let's just say you're looking for a safe way to get out of your sinking ship. Now I'm mixing metaphors. I just want to let you know, haven't talked about it in a while, uh, free membership, growprogram.com slash free. A lot of cool stuff available to you. Go ahead, jump on the free membership. A lot of videos recorded uh, mastermind calls that you have access to. Uh, plus, you get to hear from me every Sunday morning, which I enjoy writing ex- you know, specifically for you. So head on over to growprogram.com slash free. And I look forward to adding you into our awesome little warm and fuzzy group of free members.